Church, say amen. amen. All right, grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. We're going to look in Acts chapter number 9. Grab your Bibles. I think he went, he said we run out of outline, so he's going to go print some more up if you didn't get one. Uh, we'll try to make sure you get you got them there. All right, if you need an outline, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Brother Jalen's got a bunch of outlines. If you need an outline, raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right, y'all didn't have to print none. I printed to write them out the first time. All right, anybody else need an outline up in the balcony? Y'all good up on the shelf? Everybody good up there? All right. All right. Let me say this. Let me say this. The, the Holy Land, Israel, was incredible. I mean, it was an unbelievable trip. But let me tell you something. I am glad to be home. Glad to be home. And so I know, I know Brother Doug done a great job for y'all. And uh, so do what? Just like I showed him. Amen. Uh, what was the look on his face when he heard that? I, I, I wish, I, I couldn't see that on the live stream, but I thought that would have been great. All right, let's look. Acts chapter number nine. Uh, we'll read a couple verses uh, to get the text. And I ain't got my glasses. <clears throat> They're right on the top, right on the top of the desk. All right, let's see how blind you are. Oh, perfect. All right, here we go. Here we go, Acts chapter 9. Are y'all there? Say amen. amen. What we're going to do, we're going to read just a few verses to get the text that we're going to be uh, teaching out of, and then we'll go back and read a couple. Uh, since it's been so long, I think we've been back in December when we stopped, and we'll go back and catch us up to find out all we can about Paul, all right? Now, and Saul. Now, you remember, you remember when we, when we talk in the book of Acts, Saul and Paul were saying the same person. Does everybody remember that? Say amen. amen. All right, the same person. This is, Saul is pre-Jesus and Paul is post-Jesus. Amen? amen? And so that's how you can, you can tell. So now we're talking about the apostle Paul before he comes to know the Lord. And really chapter 9 is his conversion experience, okay? So if we're all on the same page, say amen. amen. Verse, verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogue, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul. Why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, Now he wasn't saying Lord as if he knew him. The, the text, the context here is it would be like us saying, Sir, right? It was a, a, a term of respect. Uh, who are you, sir? Right? He says, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men, with, uh, and the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. In other words, he was blinded. All right, he cannot see. He, his, his spiritual eyes were open. But his physical eyes were closed. He was blinded. All right. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight and neither did eat nor drink. 
There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here. I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth, and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem, and here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. In other words, he's saying, are you sure? Are you sure? And here it says, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to be here. Thank you for the great crowd tonight. Lord, I, I praise your holy name. Lord, this is going to be a great lesson. This is going to be an informative lesson. But Lord, the truth that we're going to learn in the end is going to be sure worth it all. And I pray that your perfect will be done. Lord, I know there's a lot of people here tired, including me. But Lord, I pray that when the flesh is weak, our spirit is strong. And I pray that your perfect will be done. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. And God, I pray that you're, you, you just move, take your word, and embed it into our hearts and edify your children tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. 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 All right. Now let's look. I'm going I'm to take these over from my brother over here. Where'd you go? There we go. I don't want you to be blind so you can study too. All right. Thank you so much. What a blessing that was. All right. Now go back. Go back to the end of chapter 7. Okay, go back to the end of chapter 7 where we were first introduced to this man that we're studying tonight, uh, Saul of Tarsus, all right? Go back to chapter number 7 and look in the end, uh, uh, look at the end of chapter number 7. Now, this is the stoning of Stephen. How many of y'all remember this when we were studying chapter number 7? This, this, this uh, man of God who was doing great things for God, uh, uh, he was attacked and he was taken out of the city and he was stoned to death, all right? Now, look in verse number uh, 58, 58. If you're there, say amen. It says, and cast him out, talking about Stephen, and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Now, now what did we learn back then when we were studying chapter 7? That when they were laying the, 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 the garments at his feet, it wasn't just so they could watch their coat, all right? It wasn't, it was, in other words, he was the one in authority at that particular situation. And what many, many scholars believe that it was Saul who basically incited the riot that got Stephen killed. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So he was very influential in seeing this martyr uh, uh, taken out uh, for his cause. Now let's look in the first part of verse eight, or chapter number 8. Okay, we continue reading. It says, and Saul was consenting. In other words, he was getting, giving his authority toward this situation. He was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was great what? Persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all, what happened? 
scattered abroad through the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. But watch this. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere doing what? Preaching the gospel, all right? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. In that chapter, we saw that where did the... Where did, where did the, the word or the gospel or salvation, where was it centralized? Where did it start? Geographically. Jerusalem. Okay. They were in the upper room in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost and filled them. And, and, and we, were, we were able to go to that room. Last, this past week, we were able to go to a room that was exactly like that, what it would have been like. And man, I could just envision that in my head and think about how that was and how the Spirit poured into them people. And then people went out and poured into the streets and God began and thousands were saved. Somebody say amen. amen. But it was right there at Jerusalem. But it stayed right there at Now, what did God say? He said in Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witness unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the... Now, that didn't happen, did it? They stayed there. They stayed there. Then we realized that God allowed persecution to, to get the salt out of the shaker. Amen? And so the salt of the earth spread. Saul began to wreak havoc. He began to persecute. He began to destroy. He began to kill. He began to go and arrest and drag them out of their houses. And because of that, they began to flee for their lives. And one of the places we realized that they fled to was Damascus. All right. Now, uh, do they have, do, Brother Chris, do they have the map there? <clears throat> I, want you to, I want you to look at this map. It was, it was the best one we could do to put it all. Now, how many of y'all see up there uh, uh, Tarsus right at the top? Okay, that's modern-day Turkey, okay? That's where, that's where Paul was born. That's where Paul was born. Now, I'm going to go into, I'm gonna go into de- details about him in just a second, but I want to look at the map first, okay? You see Tarsus up there, and then uh, uh, we see down here Jerusalem. How many of y'all see uh, uh, basically at the top of the, the, the Dead Sea there? Y'all see that? Jerusalem. That's where it started. Now, God wanted it all over the world, right? Now, Samaria would be right up above, uh, right up above Jerusalem. That would be in the central part, right? That would be in the central part of, of Israel. Well, Damascus, as we know, is in Syria. Well, as when they fled, when they fled, they fled out of Jerusalem. They were running for their lives. But when they were running for their lives, what were they carrying with them? The word, or what's the, what's the word, G? The gospel. They were taking the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, now, in Damascus, there were synagogues, just like there were synagogues up there in Tarsus, okay? Synagogues, y'all remember, was like the many churches. Y'all with me? And they were all over the Mediterranean because there were Jews all over the Mediterranean. They were all over because of the diaspora, when they were dispersed abroad. How many of y'all remember that? I know we're going a whole lot further back, but you got to get that because you got to understand that there were Jews all over the Mediterranean. Paul was way up there in Turkey. He didn't, he, 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 he wasn't born in Jerusalem. He was what, you remember what we called the Hellenistic Jews? 
the Jews that were not originally naturally from Jerusalem or Israel, but they were have Jewish bloodline and they spoke Greek. Y'all with me? And so Paul was one of them. And so what happened was, is Jerusalem, they're fleeing out of Jerusalem and they're running for their lives. They're being persecuted. They're being killed. They're being destroyed. Really, they're being hunted down by this man, Saul. So they flee and some of them go where? Damascus. Okay. Now, Saul, Saul is saying, listen, I want you to give me papers because I want to go to there, get them and bring them back. Does that make sense? I always wondered about that. I'm thinking, man, how would he even have any kind of right or authority to go into a foreign country and, 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 to, and to get, but it wasn't, it was, he was going to take the ones that had fled out of Jerusalem and bring them back and put them on, put them on trial. All right. Now, does that make sense with everybody? We see this, we're, we're fixing to go into, you see where, where, where Paul is from. And then, and then we see him in Jerusalem. This is where we're going to take it up. And I'm going to explain to you how he got there. Okay. So let's, let's look here in our notes. Let's look at the background. Look on the first page there. Okay. <clears throat> All right. First, we see his lineage. He was born and raised in Tarsus in Cilicia. We find that in Acts 21, 39. So we know where he was born. We know where he grew up to about the age of 13. All right. To about the age of 13. And he was, he, he moved to Jerusalem to be trained. Okay. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, which means that he was a full blooded Jew. Okay. He was, he, he had a pedigree, if you will. All right. There are people that have Jewish blood, but then there are full-blooded Jews. Does everybody understand what I mean by that? He could trace his lineage. He could trace his lineage, okay? So he was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a, a, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And what he said, if there was a Hebrew that ever was a Hebrew, he was a Hebrew, all right? Now, his education. When he was about 13 years old, he left Tarsus and came to Jerusalem to be trained under the rabbi uh, Gamaliel. I'm not saying that right. I learned that from, uh, I learned that from our, our guide. And, and by the way, we had, we had Nasser again. We had Nasser again, probably the best guide in Israel. Uh, but he was probably the, the world-renowned rabbi at the time. He was the greatest on the planet at the time. So basically, we see his bloodline was the best. He was trained by the, by the best in Judaism, okay? He was a Pharisee and the son of a Pharisee, which is just a religious sect of Judaism. You had Pharisees and Sadducees. Uh, Pharisees was probably the most strict, legalistic. Uh, it would, you, you might want to say they were the right-wing party of the, the Judaism, if that makes sense. Say amen. All right, now we see his character. To the best of his ability, he attempted to keep the law. Philippians 3, 6. He did everything with great zeal. He was very passionate about what he did. In other words, if he did it, he did it all the way. As hard as he could go. He was not half-hearted about anything. He persecuted the church in ignorance. And we'll get to that in just a moment. We see his agenda. He held the coats of those who stoned Stephen. He made havoc of the church. There were different descriptions of that word havoc. As a wild hog viciously uprooted a vineyard or uh, an animal, a wild animal would mangle its prey after it attacked it. 
He entered the homes of Christians and dragged them to prison. He hounded Christians to their death in various cities, Acts 22, 5. He beat believers, Acts 22, 19. He voted to have them put to death, Acts 26, 10. He attempted to force believers to curse Christ. He persecuted the church beyond measure and wasted it, Galatians 1, 13. Now, let me just say this, and I think I can say this uh, with, with, with a good conscience, that when it came to the early church, the very beginning of the church in Jerusalem, in uh, uh, Christians there, the early church and the Christians really looked at this man like a monster. He was arresting, he was killing, he was dragging them out. He was a monster. I don't think, and I've, I've looked over, and it, up until this point, you know, we've seen the devil try to do different things to try to stop the church. He tried to, he tried to bring sin in with Ananias and Sapphira, and God, God stopped that quickly, immediately. In different ways, Simon, you know, the sorcerer, we, we, we see different things that could have stopped the church and could have caused harm to the church. But I don't think there was any agent, I don't think there was anything that brought more damage and caused more harm to the cause of Christ up until this point than this man named Saul. And you got to get that. You got to get that. You got to understand truly how bad this guy really was. I'm having conversations with men that are struggling. And they're struggling because of false teaching. They've made mistakes in their life and they feel like I'm doomed because, because I've been too bad to get in. And this is the question. We need to rephrase this question. When you say you've been too bad to get in, or in other words, too bad to be forgiven, you need to rearrange that and say, well, who's good enough to get in? You're asking the wrong question. The wrong question is not how bad can I be before I can't get in. The question is, is who is good enough to get in and how good is good enough? Well, let me answer it. Let me, let's don't even waste no time on it. I'm not even going to let you make you have to look it up. Nobody is good enough to get in and you can't be good enough to get in. If we could, we wouldn't need Jesus. Are y'all with me? And there is a reason. There is a reason that God saved the apostle Paul. There's a reason that he described who he was and how bad he was and how he was a monster. Does everybody understand this? Please keep that in your head, all right? Now, and you'll, you'll see what I'm getting at when we get to the end, of the end of the lesson tonight. Now, let's look at some things right here. By birth, by birth, he was a, he was a Jew. So he was of, of the heritage of Abraham, okay? He was a Jew. By conviction, he was a? In other words, he was of the most strict, the most conservative, the most legalistic form of this religion, Judaism. All right. Now, by citizenship, he was a he was a Roman. All right. He was a Roman through his father. He was born free. In other words, he was born in a Roman city. He was availed of Roman citizenship. So so <laughs> you can say it this way. 
He had the best of both worlds. Rome was secular. You know, the Judaism was over here. So of, of Judaism, he had the best. Of the secular world, he had the best citizenship. And, 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 and that, that, that will come into play later on. Uh, as we're going through the book of Acts, you'll see how important his Roman citizenship was. And, and it's really not important right now, but just keep that in your head, okay? So by birth, he was a? By conviction, he was a? By citizenship, he was a? And by education, he was a Greek. In other words, he had great secular education. He was not only taught by the best of the best in Judaism, under the law, under the Hebrew and, and Jewish traditions and the Jewish scriptures and the Jewish law, but he also had the best education when it came to the secular world. All right? Because th- that was the pre- prevailing that was the prevailing language and culture. That's why they were called Hellenistic Jews. Because the pre- prevailing culture and the prevailing language uh, was the Greek uh, language. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. But by grace. By grace. And I hate getting ahead of myself. But you got to understand. It's by grace. That he is a. And all God's people say it. Now, now, let's, let's get into our lesson. Let's get into our lesson. Let's talk about this man. <clears throat> first off, first off, we see his wicked desire. His wicked desire. Write that down. His wicked desire. First, I want you to write this down. We see his unrelenting cruelty. His unrelenting cruelty. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. When he was given his testimony in Acts chapter 26, verse 9, he said, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to what? I gave my voice against them. In other words, there were many, many Christians who died because of this monster. I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. Now, now what is he saying? He's saying he's tortured them to get them to blaspheme God. And get them to bla- not necessarily blaspheme God, but blaspheme specifically Jesus. He didn't believe Jesus. He believed Jesus was a counterfeit. He believed this was a cult, if you will. And so he tortured Christians to try to get them to deny Christ. Now, by the way I'm describing this, by the way that I'm describing this, what comes to your mind in modern day? Say that again. ISIS. How many of y'all remember, how many of y'all remember those Christians being lowered down in a pool in that cage? Or being set on fire? Or being beheaded? Now, I, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. But I, I, I almost could not. It, it, was, it made me physically sick. And in my mind, I'm thinking, how could they be so cruel? 
How could they be so cruel? And you know what? Paul is no different. He did the exact same thing. The exact same thing. Watch this. For the exact same reason. Religion. Preacher, what are you saying? Religious people can be cruel. I, anyway, I'm not going to waste time on that. Maybe I'll come back to that. We see an unrelenting cruelty. We see an uncompassionate confinement. Write that word down. It didn't matter if they were men or women. He didn't call any of them. I would, I would, I would dare say he probably arrested teenagers because you were considered an adult way earlier then than you are now. An uncompassionate confinement. He said, I persecuted this way unto the death, binding, delivering into prisons both men and women. And also the high priest doth bear me witness and all the estate of the elders from whom I received letters unto the brethren and went to Damascus to bring them that were there bound back to Jerusalem for to be punished. Y'all starting to get an idea about this guy? You know, we use terms and we throw it around. Oh, he was a bad guy. No, no, you don't understand. I would dare say there's not a human being in this room that could even come close to the atrocities that this man has committed. Can't even come close. I, I put something, I put something on, on Facebook. And I'm going to just be transparent. I'm going to be transparent and be honest. I did it because I was hoping y'all know I was here. <laughs> and I, I wanted to motivate you to be here. Because let's be honest, when we get out of the habit, it's hard to get back in the groove, right? And, and we've been kind of out of the groove for various reasons. Holidays and the tragedy last week. And, and so I wanted to do something... And, and so I put something on there that I felt would get your attention. And, I, and, and most of you read it because I, I know a lot of you shared it. But this is what it said. If you think you've been too bad or you are too far gone for God to forgive you, you need to show up tonight. And I hope, I hope by the turnout, because we got a great crowd tonight. Especially trying to get back in the groove. We got a great crowd tonight. And I hope there's somebody here tonight that read that because they've been thinking in their mind, I'm I'm hopeless. I've been too bad. I've done too much. I've gone too long. There's no hope for me. There's no way God could love me. There's no way that God could forgive me. There's no way that God could change my... I've got good news. There is no possible way that you could be as bad as what we just read. Say, preacher, you don't know what I've done. I don't have to. I know you ain't done that. Because if you have, we've got bigger problems. 
So let's say it this way. Paul was a mass murderer. He tortured him. He tortured him. Now watch. We see his unrelenting cruelty, his uncompassionate confinement, his unrealized conduct. His unrealized conduct. Watch what it says. 1 Timothy 1.13. This is Paul's testimony again. Who was before, and I'm going to just say I was. Let's put it Paul speaking here. Paul is saying I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it. I did it. Come on. I did it. In Now here's what I want you to get. Saul hated the name Jesus. He hated the, the message of Jesus. He hated, he called it the way. I want to go arrest people that are of the way. Now where do they get that? What Jesus said. I am the way. The way. Now, we, we're not even called Christians yet. It, that doesn't happen to Antioch. We're, we, we haven't even got there yet. They were called a lot of things. Christians, not one of them. Saints, disciples. But primarily, they were of the way. They were of the way. He said, I want to get people that are of the way. And he, he hated it. He blasphemed the name. Basically, he cussed the name Jesus, right? So he's going to try to destroy it. He's going to stamp this out. Because it was spreading so fast, it was spreading like wildfire. I've got to stop this before it damages our great religion, Judaism. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. So he's on the way to Damascus. He gets papers from the high priest, which really, which really shows us too. There's something else we learned from that, that the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem... The Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, the temple in Jerusalem, they had authority over. It didn't matter that the synagogues, the Jewish synagogues were all over the Mediterranean. They still had authority over all of them. Does that make sense? So he is sending letters with Paul to go to these synagogues and find these people who are confessing and professing the name of Christ arresting them, taking them back to torture them, to get them to recant, to get them to deny Christ, to get them to, to, to turn their back and blaspheme Christ. And if they didn't, to kill them, put them to death. Now, if, if that doesn't sound like ISIS, I don't know what to tell you. You either, you either blaspheme and deny Christ or it's death. All right, so now he's going and he has these letters. And this is what happens. Look what it says. As he journeyed, verse 3. As he journeyed, verse 3. Are you there? This is chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 3. Everybody there say amen. amen. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him. Now, now imagine this. Imagine this. Let me, let, let, let me say this. Let me, let me, let me, let me, I know it's there. All right, all right. 
We have this bright light. We have this bright light. He's, he, he's knocked off of his, his ride. He's there on the ground. Got this bright light shining. And now he hears a voice. How many of y'all know that'd be scary? All right, watch this. Here's the voice. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, like most of us say, uh, who are you? Sir? Now, let's rewind a minute. Let's rewind a minute. What if there was a conversation between Saul and his, his men, Saul and his soldiers that were with him, uh, his assistants, his people that helped him? Can you imagine him talking about, what's wrong with these crazy people? How can they believe that a dead man has got up? He was a fake. He was a charlatan. He was a cult. He's dead. He was crucified. They killed him. What kind of, this is foolish. Only a fool would believe this. Jesus is. Jesus is dead. We're still talking about Paul. Y'all got to stay with me. I promise you, I'm more tired than you are. This is the conversation. And now, he's on the ground. He's walking pretty high on the horse, coming. Spurgeon said he rode a mighty high horse till he met Jesus. And he said, who are you? Who are you? I am Jesus. Jesus. I am Jesus. Whom thou Can you imagine? How many of y'all have ever gotten scared and your stomach was up here in your throat? I am Jesus. Uh Uh-oh. Can you imagine the fear? Not only am I Jesus... But I am Jesus whom thou. Now, let me, can, can we take a time out? Show me, show me your time out sign. Come on. Take a time out a minute. Let's pastor a little bit. Just a second. Because I've got to throw this in here. Who is Paul persecuting? Say it again. More specifically. We know Jesus, but say it again. The church. The body of Christ. The body of Christ. But how does, how does Jesus describe it? You're persecuting. Okay. So, if I get on the phone to somebody and I start slandering Willie... Who am I really slandering? Come on, I can't hear you. 
if I do something against one of God's children, one of the church, the body of Christ, who am I really sinning against? Jesus. Jesus. This is important, guys. This is not in your notes. This is not on the paper, but I cannot pass this without... We need to understand that when we strike out or lash out or, or do anything against one of the body of Christ, the church, we're, we're going against Jesus. He was persecuting Christians. He was, he was assassinating Christians. He was torturing Christians. But what Jesus said, you're doing it to me. If you're doing it to them, you're doing it to We, we, I, I, I read about a professor in a Christian university who gave everybody, who gave everybody a paper that was blank on one side. And, and they said, you write the name of your worst enemy on there. You write the name of the person in church, whatever, Put it on there. And he made him put it on the wall and he said, now here's a dart. What will you do with it? Man, they started throwing darts at it. <laughs> Laughing and, oh yeah, this is for you. And just dart, just, just tore. You know how a dart would, would do a paper like that. He said, now turn it around. When he turned it around, it was a picture of Jesus. Now I know, I know this is kind of hard to, but you got to understand, we're the body of Christ. And the way Jesus looks at it is if we're damaging one another, we're slandering one another, we're, we're gossiping against one another, we're, we're harming one another, you're harming him. That's what it's saying. What did he say? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Now, I put there, I put there in that, in that point, unrealized conduct. And, and I don't want you to think that the unrealized conduct, he didn't realize what he was doing to these people. He knew full well what he was doing. What he didn't realize is he was doing it against Christ. Does that make sense? Uh-oh. What happened? Before a person can be converted, he has to realize his sin. Now, here's what I want to do. Go into the second point. And we'll hurry. We'll hurry. We see his wicked desire. Number two, his wonderful discovery. His wonderful discovery. The very first thing he discovered was a living Savior. A living Savior. I don't have to tell you what we found when we went in that tomb this week, do I? But you know what the great thing was? I knew what I found before I went in there. Are y'all with me? It's empty. You can go into the grave of any religious leader on this planet, any founder of any cult, any religious belief, and the bones are still there. But what did Paul run into? He ran into somebody that he thought was dead. 
But he found out that he was well alive. I am Jesus. He found a living Savior. Now, the second wonderful discovery. The second wonderful discovery. And this is going to be puzzling. I know what you're going to think. What? A lost sinner. A lost sinner. You say, well, what's wonderful about that? When I realized my condition, it tore me up. It broke me. I mean, I, I, can, I, can relate, I, I, I can relate a lot to Saul. Everything but that murder and torturing stuff. Because I was very religious. I knew the Bible. I knew about God. I proudly carried my Bible. I proudly, I proudly carried the knowledge of Scripture that I had as a young person and what I knew. And, and, and man, I was, I was proud of my upbringing. I was proud of my background. I was proud of what I knew. I was proud of my knowledge. And then God showed me that my righteousness are as filthy rags. And that's humbling. It's heartbreaking. It's humiliating. But guess what? You cannot get saved until you get That's what makes it wonderful. Let me tell you that the, the most difficult people to win to Christ is those that think they already have him. Listen. It's easier to win a hoodlum on the street than a religious person on a church pew. You say, that's crazy. It is. Listen, you got to understand. He had to realize being a Hebrew of the Hebrews wasn't enough. Being a Pharisee of the Pharisees wasn't enough. Being a great, 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 great grandson of Abraham wasn't enough. Knowing the law wasn't enough. Being, watch this now, being zealous for God wasn't enough. He was working, sir, that's a works religion. It wasn't enough. He was a, come on, he was a sinner. Say it with me, he was a let me say it this way, guys. You'll never become a saint till you first become a sinner. Because you'll never see your need for a Savior till you understand how bad a sinner you really are. That is what makes it wonderful. Church, say amen. amen. <clears throat> and, and let me say this. Let me say this. Let's describe this. Brother, Brother Ray, what was your, your, your friend's name that was blind that came with us? Curtis. Curtis. I cannot never remember his name. Don't tell him I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> Brother Curtis went with us on, on the trip to Israel. Blind. Yeah. Blind. And, and I, I know he won't take offense to what I'm doing. I, I'm just trying to make a point here. In the beginning of what you see, now, I don't know if you can use your imagination like I can because I got a good one. 
But I see, I see Paul as a real arrogant person. Cocky, full of himself, and like a bull in a china shop. He goes into houses snatching them and just taking them and torturing them. And, and, and I see him as like the, 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 just a really bad, bad villain in the, in, 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 in the action movie. Are y'all with me? Full of himself, arrogant, thinking he's somebody, thinking he's really... Re- I, I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. We were, we were at the, the church of the, the, the sepulcher, right? We was at the church of the sepulcher. And they started moving us out the way and, and, and pushing. I'm thinking, dude, I'm a redneck from Alabama. I don't, you don't need to put your hands on me. And he had this, he had, he had this gown on and, 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 and like, like they were holy and, and, and we were dirty. Back, back away. And they came out. And honest to God, it gave me chills. That it reminded me of a horror movie. And these were, and just to make a long story short, these were priests that walked by like they were royalty and looking at the dirty scum. That was the, that was the, the impression and the feeling. And I'm sitting there like, you ignorant fool. If you only knew. And I could see Paul being that arrogant and just so brass and so full of himself. And he's, man, he's got money, he's got fame, he's got power. He has got, because when you can literally be in control of somebody's life, you hear serial killers talking about this that there is no intoxicating, there is no intoxicating feeling like taking someone's life because you are God to them. That's what that's what serial killers say. And so Paul is so full of himself till he meets Jesus. And now he's on his face saying, What 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 do you want me to do? What do you, can y'all see the tra- transition here? And by the way, if there's not that transition, you probably didn't get saved. That's right. Do you see the humility that's taking place? Now watch this. He gets up and he said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to do, he has submitted to Christ. His spiritual eyes are opened, but his, he's blind. Now watch this transition. Brother Ray, you, you, and, you, and, you and Willie come up here and show, show them how, how y'all helped Brother Curtis on them steps. Well, everybody did. I think the whole team, we all just, whenever he needed the help. Now watch. Y'all, y'all stand right here. Y'all stand right here. One on one side. Now, now watch. This is the, this is the point. This is the point of Paul's conversion, right? This is the point at the Damascus Road, right? Paul's arrogant. He's full of himself. He's religious. He's powerful. He's thinking he's doing God a favor, and he's and all of a sudden he comes into Christ. He realizes. He realizes who he is. He's broken. He sees himself as a sinner. He asks God, "What do you want me to do?" 
He opens his eyes, but he can't see. So what, what does he need? So now, now he's going to Jerusalem, but what is he? He's blind. He's, blind. he's totally what? Blind. 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 But what, what am I totally with these guys? Come on. Dependent. Dependent. And I can't, I can't do anything. I'm not powerful anymore. I'm not strong anymore. I'm not arrogant anymore. I can't see. <laughs> you know this is on video, right? We're just going to walk down the stairs. Okay. No, no, this far we're going right here. Do y'all get it? God broke him. And he didn't just blind him for a moment. Three days. Do y'all see this? This man who was so powerful, so arrogant, so full of himself, God humiliated him and broke him. Well, I don't want God to have to break me. God can't use you till he breaks you. Amen. This reminds me of the apostle Peter. Peter's in the inner circle. He's one of the three amigos. Peter, James, and John. Nobody's as close to the Messiah as he is. He's got special favor. He got to go and see what none of the rest of them got to see. He got to see the, 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 the raising from the dead. He got to see the Mount of Transfiguration. Man, I'm tight with Jesus. Oh, Peter, you're going to deny me. No, not me. I'm not going to deny. They all can run out on you. I love you. I'm not. I'll never deny you. God, you're going to deny me three times. Satan has desired to have that he may sift you as wheat. You know what the sifting of wheat is? It's the breaking of the hard shell to get what's necessary to bake bread. And God may allow Satan to break you, but it's just so he can use you. He allowed Satan to break that hard, arrogant, full of self so he could dig out that meat to bake bread on the day of Pentecost and see thousands saved. When Peter said, I'll never deny you, God says, you ain't ready. But when he met him on that seashore and said, God, you know everything. You know what I love. You're nice. Okay, now you're ready. How about Moses? Everybody talks about Moses and and, and he had the speech impediment. He had to have Aaron to help him and all that, but not in the beginning. Do you realize the New Testament says that Paul, or excuse me, Moses was a man mighty in word and deed. He had the best education of all of Egypt, which would have been the best education in the world. When he thought he could get it done, he killed the Egyptian. And God said, you can't do this on your own. And when he thought he could, he had to flee. 
When God got through with him on the backside of the... <laughs> he saw the burning bush. Y'all know 40 years of humbling. He comes to the burning bush and said, God, uh, I, Moses, I want you to go set my people free. He said, I can't. He said, now you can. You know what they say? That when a man ex- spends an extended period of time in the wilderness just with the animals and not making human interaction, hum- you lose the ability to communicate. What happened? God took away what was significant to him. He was mighty in word and deed. God took his significance away so he could put himself in him. And when you think you can't, then you can. When you think you can, you can't. And God humbled Paul. He had to be led around. But then, for this purpose, we'll not finish today, but we'll get close. His wonderful discovery was a living Savior, a lost sinner, but then a lasting service. Look what it says. He said, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. He was led by the hand. Ananias, this is what God says. Arise, go into the street which is called straight, and inquire the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. Y'all know, Ananias, he was afraid to go. But this is what he says, verse 15. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings, and to the children of Israel. And I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul said in his own testimony in Acts 26. He said, he said, and I said unto, and this is Paul retelling his testimony. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. To make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of the things which, in, in which I shall appear unto thee. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles whom I will send thee. Watch this. Read it with me. Verse 18. To and to and from the that they may and among them which are. Whoop. God says, Mr. Monster, you're now Mr. Minister. There is probably no other human being that's ever stepped foot on the planet in the New Testament era that's had a greater ministry or a greater effect on the New Testament church than the Apostle Paul. And there was probably nobody who was ever as bad as him. What's the point? Glad you asked. Let me give you the words because I know you're going to hound me about it. 
We see his wary discipler. This is Ananias. He didn't want to go. He was afraid, like you and me would have been, right? They knew who he was. I mean, you don't, you're not responsible for killing that many Christians and its word don't get around. He knew who he was. He was scared of it, but God reassured him. His wary discipler. We see a fearful hesitation. A fearful hesitation. Verse 13 and 14. God reassures him, so there's a faithful haste. Verse 17. Listen, when you get the word from God, just go ahead and do what he tells you. Everything's going to be all right. Y'all with me? And then we see a friendly help. Verse 17. Can you imagine how encouraging it must have been to Saul to hear somebody say, brother? Right? Now watch this. Here's the summary. Look at me for a minute. We've got one minute, 50 seconds. Before we read this, before we read this, let's do post-Jesus, or that'd be over here. Pre-Jesus, post-Jesus. Pre-Jesus, Saul was a, come on, say it with me, monster. Post-Jesus, Paul was a minister, a man of God, who had an unbelievable effect on the New Testament church. And all God's people say it. Now watch, there's a reason God did this. There's a reason God did this. 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying. In Alabama, we'd say, you can take this to the bank. Amen? This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And let me tell you, of who I am. In other words, the list of sinners that's in heaven, he's at the top of the list. Not of being the best saint, but of being the worst. Y'all with me? He said, let me just tell you something. You can take this to the bank. Jesus came to save sinners. I was the chief number one sinner. Watch, watch. But God did it for a reason. How be it for this? Let me tell you why he did it. That's what Paul said. Let me tell you why he saved an old sinner like me. Let me tell you why he saved the worst sinner. That in me. In other words, God's going to use me. First, Jesus Christ might show forth all for a pattern to them which should hereafter what? Believe, Believe on him to life everlasting. Let me, let me break it down in real easy terms. Here's what Paul is saying. <clears throat> let me tell you something. Jesus came to save sinners. And if you're here... If you're here because you read my post and you think you're too bad, you're too much of a sinner, you're too far gone, you're too far away from Christ, you've done been too far out there, Jesus came to save you. 
He came to save you. Paul's saying that. And he said, if you don't believe that, let me tell you about me. Because I was el numero uno. I was the worst. Let me tell you how bad he was. That in his own heart and his own conscience, he said, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. He said, but God did it on purpose. And I'm going to put it in our language. What Paul is saying, if he can save me, he can save Y'all with me? If he can turn a monster into a... Tell me what he can't do for you. Tell me what he can't do. No, hey, 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 hey. He didn't just give him a ticket to heaven, people. He used him. In other words, he made... This is great. He didn't just give him a future afterlife. He made his present life worth living. Listen, I don't want you to walk around in the mullet grubs. Okay, God will save me. He'll make sure I go to heaven, but I'm going to have to live the rest of my life in guilt and, and shame. And No! Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. God won't just deliver you, but he will give you a life that is worth living. He will give you purpose. He will give you something to live for. Somebody say Amen. amen. Hot dog, that's good. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care, I don't care who's told you you're unworthy. God, <laughs> he gets the last word. And Paul said, he did it. He saved me. But the only reason he did is to make a pattern so you can see if he saved me. He can save anybody. And all God's people say it. Isn't God good? Yes, he is. Somebody say it. Come on, let's give him praise and glory. Give him praise and glory. All right. If we don't dismiss, I'm going to need saving. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. I got to get back on, on the right timing. This morning, 3 o'clock, my eyes, I've been, I've been, <laughs> I think I got to church at a, at, at a quarter till 4. And I've been here ever since. I'm trying to keep my eyes open so when I go to sleep, I won't get up till in the morning. Amen. <laughs> so I am very tired and I'm ill and grumpy. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just grumpy. Amen. <laughs> All right. No, we're going to, you got to think, we, anyway, it was, it was a phenomenal trip. I don't even have words. It, it was just, the first time we got to go was incredible. And then the second time you just see more stuff and you learn and it's, it's just a, it's just an unbelievable thing. God is good. Amen. Well, let's pray. Let's pray and y'all go get them children, right? Lord Jesus, 